0: Brethren, Brother Bob here again. In this episode, I want to deal with the love word. You know, like, God is love word. Like, for God so loved the world, love word. What I want to try to do in this podcast is to explain the biblical love words so God's people can better understand just how the words actually work in the scriptures. I believe the biblical love word like the biblical word grace, is misunderstood and as a result abused by many in the church. I think way too many Christians think this concept that God is love means that God is also mushy or God is also a pushover. There was a Christian song way back in the day with a line in it which said, Love is not a feeling, it is an act of your will. That sort of says what I'm going to be talking about in this podcast in one sentence. Now, feely love can be a righteous thing. However, it is only one half of the type of love that Christ is looking for from believers. And I believe that many in the church probably have a feely love for the Lord, but from the way they live their worldly lives, I am concerned that the feely love that many have for Christ, compared to the deeper, stronger feely love they have for things, friends and entertainment ends up putting Christ about fifth or sixth on our priority list. Just saying. I think if you take a few minutes and listen to what I have to say as I explain the numerous meanings of the Greek words for our one English word, love, that we read in our Bibles, you will get a better understanding what the love words actually mean from a biblical perspective. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people at church sing worship songs about God's enduring love or or God loves me so, or God's love never ends, as though God's love is somehow a never-ending, unconditional flow of grace and kissy-huggy affections. I believe way too many of God's children simply believe that because God loves all His children so much, He will always be there for them and walk with them and encourage them regardless of their lack of faithfulness to His Word. Do not forget that the Lord was outside the carnal church of Laodicea. His love for those believers did not keep him in fellowship with his disobedient children. Christ himself said in John fifteen ten, If you keep my commandments, then you will abide in my love. So what does Christ say is the condition or requirement for abiding in his love? Is it obedience? No, not just obedience. It is an obedience to his biblical commandments. Sadly, there are a lot of believers who are obedient to the words of their church leaders or to the words of their church friends or to the words of their denominations or even to the words that they make up in their mind about what they think truth is, who do not have a clue on what the sound teachings of God's word really are. I believe way too many believers also foolishly think that God's love for them means that he's going to set aside his attributes of holiness and justness and let his love flow in such a way that he will overlook the spiritual disobedience of his children. I also believe that way too many believers foolishly think that because they have these warm, mushy feelings for the Lord, they are running the race well. Those concepts, my Christian friends, are just not biblically true. Again, Christ himself said, My friends are those believers who obey my commandments. Just saying. God loving his children has got nothing to do with God walking with his children, as I've already shared. God walks with those children of his who choose to walk with him. Simply having feelings for the Lord does not mean that a believer is walking righteously with their Savior. You need to get a handle on this. As I shared in previous podcasts, Feelings do not make for sound doctrine. Let me interject here. Our feelings will deceive us. Because of our ignorance of the different types of natural human love, we often let our feeling, emotional love for the Lord override or hinder our walk of love, which comes through an obedience to his word. And because most of us have a sincere emotional love for God, we think that we are loving him the only way he desires to be loved when we love emotionally, when in fact we are not even close to loving him properly. I know that if I asked anyone at church on Sunday mornings if they love the Lord, they would all say, of course I do. I have these warm, compassionate feelings for God. Now in our secular snowflake woke society, most would think that type of feely love is what is most important to the Lord. It is not. While that kind of feely love is biblical, First Corinthians 16:22 says, "If anyone does not have a feeling love for the Lord, he is to be accursed." This type of feely love is also fickle and fleeting. They loved Christ when He fed or healed them, but they hated Him when He started teaching them things they did not want to hear. A love displayed that is based entirely on our feelings is a very roller coasterly love. When we are angry or disappointed with someone, those warm, friendly love feelings go away quickly. Now, in the scriptures, acapeo love, which is an action, obedient love, is not based on our feelings, but our will. Just like the line in the song, love is not a feeling, it's an act of our will. I will explain agapeo love in more detail shortly. I believe this feeling love for the Lord is where the Pentecostal-like feeling churches mess up. You see, They believe feely things like lifting up holy hands or sharing superficial, pious-sounding religious words or singing nice, emotional, feely good worship songs is all there is to pleasing God. Now, I said those things are not wrong unless they're just coupled with themselves. That type of feel-good worship bypasses the need to worship the Lord in truth. I believe this feely-only type of worship love gives the believers this false sense of security because they believe that just because they have these warm, fuzzy feelings for God, everything between them and the Lord must be good. Again, if your worship time is centered on just warm and fuzzy spiritual feelings or emotional highs or lows, it is going to lack spiritual truth. Again, Christ asks his followers, why do you call me Lord and not do as I say? It is similar to a husband who only tells his wife that he loves her without ever showing her that he loves her. How we show Christ that we love him the way he asked to be loved is by choosing to walk with him in obedience to his commandments. If a believer thinks that they can ignore God's commandments and still walk closely with their Savior, even if they have these warm, mushy feelings for him, it reveals their ignorance of God's word. Christ said we cannot love him the way he desires to be loved Unless we obey his commandments. And because God loves his children, that does not mean that they will be blessed by God. Just simply having these warm, mushy feelings for the Lord does not mean that the Lord is pleased with us. Now, again, warm, mushy feelings for the Lord are good, but that is only one half of the loving on Christ biblical requirement to please the Lord. And just because God loves his children, that does not mean that he automatically and unconditionally forgives them of many sins they commit. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, then your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions either. There are those two big if and then words I like to talk about. Those verses that I just read were directed towards God's children, whom he loves but whom he still rebukes or judges for being arrogant or unforgiving. What's love got to do with it? Remember that song? Brethren, the Bible says that God loves everybody. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. However, God loving everybody does not keep everybody out of hell, does it? God loves those souls in hell too. But God's love for those lost people did not save them from going to hell. Now the Lord did offer his unconditional forgiveness love to the world through his son's death at Calvary. God offered the whole world that unconditional love gift, no strings attached. But God's love for mankind did not excuse away mankind's sins. God's love for mankind just found a way to hold someone else accountable for mankind's sin. While at the same time freely offering what his son did at Calvary as a gift to the world to remove sins. So that someone who was held accountable for mankind's sins was Christ. whose sacrifice on the cross satisfied God's penalty for mankind's sins. You see, God's love for the world did not excuse away sin. God's love for the world found a loving but just way to pay for mankind's sins. Just as God loving his children does not mean that he's going to overlook their disobedient ways. Here are some examples of that. 1 Corinthians 104 through 12 And they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from the same spiritual rock which followed them. And the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not well pleased, for they were laid low, i.e. killed by the Lord in the wilderness. Now these things happened as an example for us, so that we too would not crave evil things as they also did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, The people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did and 23,000 fell, i.e. fell dead in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpent, the serpents sent by God. Nor grumble as some of them did and they were destroyed by the destroyer, the destroyer sent by God. Now these things happened to them as an example. And they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. God's love for his people in the Old Testament most assuredly did not spare them from his wrath. Hebrews 3, 7-11 says, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. As in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me, and they saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was angry with this generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they do not know my ways. And as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Millions and millions of believers were taken out by the Lord because of their disobedient spirit. These verses speak of God's people, Old Testament believers whose rebellious and sinful disobedience was not excused away simply because the Lord loved them. These verses written about Old Testament believers were written for today's church believers so that we would see the consequences of disobeying our Lord and choose not to do the same things those rebellious, disobedient Old Testament believers did. If you know your scriptures, you know that God's love for his people did not stop him from punishing them over and over and over again when they were disobedient to his commandments. Side note here's an important thought God held his children in the Old Testament accountable for not keeping his word. And those believers in the Old Testament were not even indwelt with the Holy Spirit as we are. Just saying. So let me take this God is love concept and explain it with the scriptures. The Bible teaches us that God is love. However, most believers do not have a clue what that actually means. Now, even though God is love, he is also holy and just. Being just means he gives people what they deserve. The only reason God's people are not destroyed when they sin is because of the sin-cleansing power of the blood of Christ, which is applied to a repentant believer's confession of his sins. It washes them clean. Praise God. Now, I am not going to discuss it now, but if you look at Hebrews 10, 26-34, it clearly shows that there are some very serious consequences for any child of God who wallows in their sin. Brethren, the Bible verse that says the wages of sin is death was written to believers. And it is just as applicable today in the church age as it was in the Apostle Paul's days. If the Apostle Peter were around today, he would be saying, Church, remember Ananias and Sapphira. Also, because of unrepentant sin, there were Corinthian believers who were dead, dying, and sick. You can read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me get back on a topic. Let me put this love of a father for a son in a secular perspective. I have sons that I love very much. If one of my sons was to murder someone, I believe that if my son is guilty, he deserves to go to jail. My son might even end up being sent to the electric chair, which I also believe is right if he's guilty of murder. Now, I am not going to be happy if my son gets the death sentence for murder. However, Even though I am a loving father, I believe that is what my son deserves if he murdered someone. And just because I love my son, that does not mean that the authorities are going to release him from his punishment. My love for my son will have no bearing on sparing my son from the punishment he deserves. I could plead all day long with the judge telling him over and over again how much I love my son you just can't let my son go to jail, I love him, and I will be ignored. And when it comes to the judge sentencing my son, it is not going to matter one bit to him that I love my son. Loving my son does not excuse him from being punished for the crimes he committed. I share all that because I believe way too many believers think that just because the Lord loves us, he will excuse away or overlook his children if they have a lukewarm attitude about keeping his commandments. Isaiah 48, 18. If only you had paid attention to my commandments, then your well-being would be like that of a river, and your righteousness like the waves of a sea. There are those two unpopular if and then words again. In the Gospels, we read the story of Christ severely rebuking a disobedient child to God. Christ calls that disobedient believer a lazy, wicked slave. No kissy-huggy stuff at his judgment even though the Lord loves him. And it does not end there. After rebuking this carnal Christian, Christ sends him off into some eternal doom and gloom place of outer darkness where he will spend his eternity away from the joy of the Lord. I think I'm getting sidetracked again. Let me get to some definitions of the Greek words for love that are found in scriptures. There are numerous Greek words for our one English word, love. Remember, Greek is the language that the New Testament was written in. The primary words for love that are used in the New Testament are agape, agapeo, phileo, and Philadelphia. I am going to share one verse for each Greek word for those English words love. If you do a word study of all the places that the New Testament words for love are used, you will find a lot of them. But again, in the English, you have no idea what they mean. However, if you do a word study on the Greek meanings of the love words, you would find that they have different meanings. And a lack of knowing that by believers in the church is why so many of God's people are confused by the one English word love that they read in scriptures. I truly believe that when most believers in the church read the English word love in the Bible, they they associate the word with the American mushy, kissy, huggy meaning of love. Word studies on Bible words are what Bible studiers do all the time in order to better learn and understand God's Word. Just saying. Again, keep in mind that our English Bibles, we only see one word for love. This is why it is important to know your Greek and your grammar rules. The primary words for love that are used, again, in the New Testament are agape, agapeo, phileo, and philadelphia. I'm also going to add the Greek word "storgi," and I'll explain later what's going on with that. Here is an example of phileo love, Matthew 10 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The love words in this verse are a verb. That means that they're in action, love. In the Greek language, the word love in these Verse is a Greek word phileo, to love. In the scriptures, in the English, we'll find it being used as the word "kiss," "love," "loved," or "loves." Here is an example of Philadelphia love. Romans twelve ten: Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Yes, our English Bible says "brotherly love." In the Greek language, the words "brotherly love" equal Philadelphia, which is. The love of brothers, or brotherly love. I mentioned the word storge. Now, we don't have an exact example of the word storgy in the Bible. However, we do have an example of the Greek word storge used with the word not. It's called, it's the word unloving. We find that in Second uh, Timothy 3, 1 through 3. But realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, Revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and unloving. There's our word, unlo- unloving. That's Storgy love. Again, the word Storgy in the Greek, the definition is family affection. The next word, love word that comes up is an example of Agapeola. John 14, 23 to 24. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. All these words are agapeo love. Agapeo love is an action love. It's a verb. It is a show me that you love me kind of love. This is the kind of love that Christ is looking for from his believers. This agapeo action love is found throughout the scriptures. Here are a few more examples of agapeo love or action love. Christ said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. First John 5, 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Both these love words above are agapeo love. These verses are telling us, that the way we show the Lord that we love him is by obeying his commandments. Christ taught his followers quite often, if you truly love me, you will show me that you love me by keeping my word. This is the problem that the Lord is having with the church today. God's people love playing church, but unfortunately they do not love obeying God's commandments. Today in the church, there's a whole bunch of believers who are telling Christ that they have these warm mushy, emotional, phileo love feelings for him, again, which is a good love, but they are not showing Christ that they have an agapeo, obedient love for him, which is expressed when they obey God's commandments. In the scriptures, Christ never seeks phileo, phileo, love from his followers. Now, Christ is pleased to receive phileo, phileo love, but in the scriptures, he is always seeking agapeo love, and obedient action, show me you, Love me, kind of love. Again, John 14, 15. If you love me, then keep my word. Finally, here's an example of agape love. Agape love is a noun. Agape love is different than agapeo love. Agape love is simply what love is. Love is a noun is an idea. The noun word love is similar to other noun idea words like joy, or peace. Agape love, again, is a noun. It is not a verb. It means it's not an action word. Do you remember your grammar rules about nouns and verbs? A noun is a person placing or idea. Agape love is an idea. Agape love is something like l- the word light. Light just is. Light is a thing, which makes it a noun. Light is not a verb. Agape love is a noun and not a verb. A verb is an action word. Agapeo love is a verb. Agapeo love is an action love. Let me put this idea of the differences between agape, agapeo, and phileo love into layman's terms. Picture me holding up a plastic bottle that has a white liquid in it, and the bottle says on the front, Elmer's. What would be the first thing you say if someone asked you, what do you think's inside that bottle? You would say glue. The word glue is a noun. Glue is a thing. Glue is not an action word. Simply having a bottle of glue around does not accomplish anything. In order for the glue in that bottle to do you any good, the glue, which is a noun, needs to be used for gluing, which is a verb. So picture in your mind an image of someone taking the glue, which is a noun, and spreading it out on two pieces of wood that you need to glue together. Glue together is a verb. Using the glue for gluing the pieces of work together shows the process of taking the noun, which is glue, and changing the meaning of the word into an action word, gluing. Simple, isn't it? Yeah, right. Like I said in a previous podcast, you should have paid better attention to Miss Gruber, your 8th grade grammar teacher. So in a biblical sense, the non-action noun form of love, which is agape love, is like the glue in the bottle. While the process of using the glue to glue something together would be like agapeo love. Whew, I hope you're all getting all of this. So agapeo love is the process of applying God's commandments in our life. Just like pouring the glue out of the bottle and onto the two pieces of wood that you need glued together. So again, in a biblical sense, agapeo love would be the application of applying God's word in our life. You see, simply knowing God's word without applying God's commandments in our life is not the proper application of agapeo love, which is a type of love strikes seeks from his followers. It is like a wife who knows how to cook who never cooks. Here's a little side note. Phileo love, if I'm going to use the glue example, would involve taking that bottle of glue, agape love, and going to a friend's house in order to use that glue to repair something for a friend. What is important to understand about agapeo love is that God expects his children to to apply God's word in their life, whether they feel like doing it or not. In fact, the Greek meaning of agapeo love is that this type of obedient or doing what is best for others type of love is not the kind of love that is applied because you know someone first loved or liked you. By that I mean if you are a guy and someone tells you that there is a girl at work who likes you, and you send this girl flowers or cards because you already know she likes you, that is not agapeo love, that is phileo love. So in the strictest sense, agapeo love does not originate because we were first loved. It's just something we do because it needs to be done. Let me put the concept of agapeo love into a perspective we can relate to. A lot of firemen and policemen died on 9-11 trying to save people way up on... The top floors of those World Trade Centers, those rescuers had no emotional, feely, filial love ties to those people who were up there. They had no idea who was even up there. Never met them people. Those firemen and policemen could have stayed away from those Twin Towers and said, hey, I'm not going up there into that burning skyscraper in order to try to save them people. I don't even know them. If those rescuers would have stayed back, I'm sure they still would have had feelings, feelings, For the people that were stranded up there. But feeling bad about people being stranded up in those office buildings did not save them. Those firemen and policemen showed agapeo love, which is an applied action obedient love that day. Well, this is the same kind of obedient agapeo love that God had for humans when he chose to suffer and die at Calvary in order to try to rescue us from hell. Bottom line, brethren, the Lord is discouraged that his people are only loving him halfway. You see, many in the church are like the husband who only tells his wife and never shows his wife that he loves her. I sincerely believe that the good Lord is sick and tired of all the lip service he is getting. Isaiah twenty-nine thirteen, And so the Lord said, These people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. God bless your friend in Christ, Brother Bob. Again, send any comments to brobob4him at gmail.com. That's brobob4him at gmail.com.